0: All right, so good morning again. We welcome you to Great Hills Baptist Church. My name is Danny Forsheath, pastor here, and um, we've got a couple things we want to do before we get into the message today. We're in the, we're in the book of Acts. Acts of the Apostles or Acts of the Holy Spirit could also be called. If you have your Bible, we'll be in Acts chapter 4, 1 through 12. But before we do, there's a couple things I, I want to do. I want to uh, First of all, I want to recognize uh, our executive pastor his, uh, and his wife, Brother Terry and Debbie. I want to give y'all a little something. If y'all come on up here with me for just a second. This is their nine-year uh, anniversary, so we praise the Lord. Amen. I know. It goes fast, doesn't it? Praise the Lord. Nine years, uh, four grandkids. Uh, life is good. God bless y'all. Here's your little something, and I hope you enjoy it. If you need somebody to go with you, I'm available, so I just want you to, I just want you to know. God bless you, Terry. We love y'all. Bless you. Also, many uh, of you are going to be serving this week um, at Vacation Bible School. And as you look up here on the stage, into the wild, that's what we're going to be. It's going to be wild this next week, as I know, I think I've heard 700 uh, kids have pre-registered and enrolled for Vacation Bible School, and that means we need probably a couple hundred of our own people to help. And so many of you have — God bless you — many of you have signed up to serve. And I just want you to know, it is a a wonderful thing that you're agreeing to do. So I'm going to ask you if you would stand to your feet, and I'm going to pray for you. Believe me, you're going to need it, so I want you to stand to your feet, (laughs) and we're going to pray over you all over the sanctuary, our worship center. You see these men and women and students who are standing. And myself is uh, standing. My wife's out in the, um, in the hallway. there, greeting people, but she would be standing. She's helping out with first grade. Uh, some of our family members just moved into the area here. They're going to be helping out with third grade. We, uh, we're excited that you're, that you're going to do this. Um, and I'm going to pray heaven's blessings on you. And I know that many kids will be here, and, and you just never know. It may literally change the trajectory of a child's life this week. Um, I was was reading this book yesterday. I'm still reading. It's called Grit. And it is an excellent book by a psychologist out of uh, University of uh, Pennsylvania. And she said, a child will indeed forget what you tell them, but they will never forget the life that you live before them. So don't you think about that for a moment. They will forget, oftentimes they do, but they never forget the kind of person that you are. So be that kind of person this week, love on them, be patient with them, and pour into them the gospel, for you never, never know the, the life, maybe even the family that you're going to touch. Thursday night we'll be here in the worship center, and we will have a family night, and Teresa Smith shares with me, our minister of preschool, that we still need some volunteers, some adults that would help us. On Thursday night, so I just eradicated one of your excuses. You see, I work during the morning. So sorry, I can't help with BBS, but we really need you Thursday night. And so 6:30 to 8:30, we'll have the inflatable uh, games and we'll have all kinds of fun stuff going on. But we still need some volunteers for that. So let me pray for you as we uh, launch out into this wonderful week. Father, we thank you so much for each person that has agreed to serve you, God, first and foremost, and then to serve these precious children that are coming our way. Over 700, Lord, from kindergarten through fifth grade, from all over the greater Austin area, these kids will be coming. Uh, their, Their families, their parents trust us, and so they are entrusting their kids to us for these five days. And we're just praying, Lord, now that we'd be good stewards of what you have given to us, these lives, Lord, that we can mold and shape, and we can... Uh, share with them the love of God, and even more importantly, we can show them the love of God. So I pray for stamina and strength. I pray, Lord, that Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, Thursday and Friday, and especially Friday, as people are fatigued and tired, that You would give supernatural strength, O God, and that You would empower these men and women to be joyous, to be patient, to be kind, to be faithful. And, And Lord, we're trusting You that many kids would pray to receive Christ this very week. Their lives would be changed. Lord, we commit it to you. We pray for your blessings. We pray for your protection over us, God, over our campus. Lord, just dispatch your warring angels all over the premises and and protect us, O God, and protect these children. We're looking forward to a great, great week, for we pray this believing in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Thank you guys so much. Lord, bless you. I appreciate you. And we're looking forward. To a great week. So Acts chapter 4 in verses 1 through 12, verse 12 is one of the most debated, difficult passages of Scripture uh, in the world. Now it's not, so, it's not so much debated and difficult for us because we accept the veracity of it and the truthfulness of it, but there are many who very much disagree with passages of Scripture like John fourteen six, when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody goes to heaven except through Christ. In Acts 4, 12, the Apostle Peter, that great apologist of the faith, he says something very similar to what Jesus said in John 14, 6. He says, nor is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name given under heaven, given among men, whereby we must be saved except at the name of Jesus. Ravi Zacharias, well, today he's known as if not thee, one of the, he is the leading apologist uh, in America. He's 73 years of age today. Uh, he's been married to Margie, his wife, for 45 years. You can hear him, his distinct Indian accent on 1,500 radio stations all over America. And he particularly is received very, very well at Oxford and Harvard and Yale and some of these prestigious intellectual centers of America. He goes in and he's brilliant, and he defends the gospel. But you know how his life started? It started out in a very difficult way. In fact, he tried to commit suicide. Ravi Zacharias was 17 years of age. He said, My, he said I had this great mind, but he said, I had this empty soul. And so I decided that since there really is no meaning in life, there's no one true way to know God. So he decided to take his life. And and praise God, he failed. And while he was there on his bed, there in the hospital, his mother, a Christian lady, came into the room and she began to read the gospel of John. And she read John 14, where it says, And because I live, you will live also. And John 14, 6, where Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And he said, At that moment, at that very moment, as my mother was reading the Word of God, and I saw the desperateness of my soul, the emptiness of my soul. And He said, At that moment, I lifted up my eyes to heaven. I lifted up my soul, and I said, Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. And for the rest of my life, I will dedicate my life with everything that's within me to preach your name and to defend your name. And that's exactly what He has done. Then you fast forward 2,000 years, here He is defending that very name. Way back in Acts chapter 4, the Apostle Peter, he was the leading apologist of the early church and he's preaching that gospel, that brand new story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Peter, when you read the book of Acts, Acts chapters 1 through 12, it really is mostly about him, the fisherman turned preacher. The person who denied Jesus now is on fire for Christ. And by the way, if that tells tells me a lot, it tells me that God can forgive, God can save, God can redeem. No matter what you have done, God has mercy on you, has grace on you. Don't don't give up on God. Don't give up on your life because God, He has a plan. He has a purpose. And He took Peter in the the pit of denial and places him in a powerful position as this Pentecostal preacher there in the book of Acts. He preaches 3,000 people give their life to Christ. He preaches again in Acts chapter 3, verses 11 through 26, and wow, 5,000 men pray to receive Christ. And now we see Him in Acts chapter 4. And let me, let me set the stage for you as I, as I read the text publicly for in a moment. When the Bible says that the Sanhedrin Interrogated and brought those people in for interrogation, those people would include these three people and you may not catch this when you, when you read it, but let me prepare you for this that would be Peter and John and the lame man, no longer lame and so these three men are going to be placed in a, in a semicircle the sanhedrin will be seated. can you picture this in your mind 's eye the sanhedrin we'll talk about this these people in a moment they're seated around and there and there is Peter and John, and there was a man who was lame. I mean, from day one of his life, and he is standing erect. And there has been a conspicuous, palpable, undisputable miracle. And the religious leaders of the day—they cannot dispute it. So they want to know, how did you do this? How did you? Ta- how did you touch this man? And this man is no longer a lame, crippled man, but now he is a—he's alive and he's full of life and he's standing to his feet. So how? Did you do this? And that's the context of our text. So let me read it to you in Acts chapter 4. It says, Now, as they spoke to the people, the apostles are speaking to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, the captain of the bodyguard of the high priest, and the Sadducees came upon them, them being the apostles. And they were greatly disturbed. They were so agitated, aggravated irritated that they taught. Now I want you to just underline that word with me for just a moment. They're upset because the apostles are teaching the people. And not only have they uh, spoken to them and taught them, number three, they even went so far as to preach to them. They preach in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Wow. Now you see that is very hotly debated among the Sadducees. They don't believe in the resurrection. They don't believe in angels and demons and the afterlife, and there Peter and John are preaching the gospel and teaching people about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So they laid hands on them. Now this is not a kind, gentle, oh, how are you doing there, brother Peter? No, there's this fierce laying of hands on them. Put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, Oh, I love verse 4. Right in the midst of this persecution, right in the midst of all of this turmoil, many of those who heard the word believed. And here's where we get this 5,000 number. And the number of the men, the men, just the men, came to be about 5,000. Wow. And it came to pass on the next day. And and the good historian, the first-rate historian, Luke, has said this twice. He doesn't want us to miss this that it was evening, and now it's the next day. And I'm going to come back to that in a moment, but this is brilliance on Luke's part because he wants us to remember something. came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes. Now whenever you see that, that trilogy of words, rulers, elders, scribes, in your Bible, in your note, or in your margins, you need to write the word Sanhedrin because that is who they appeared before. They were the political, religious, ruling, senate body of the day. They are the leaders, they are the undisputed leaders of Israel. They are the Sanhedrin. And now we're going to be reminded of some people that we've already read about in the Gospels. And there were Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest. They were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst. Now, remember the semicircle that we shared a moment ago? The semicircle of the 71 member Sanhedrin. And you got Peter, you got John, and you have this former lame man. We don't know what his name is, but praise God, he's been healed. And they say, by what? Dunamis. By what? Not exousia, authority, but by what raw strength and power have you done this? Or by what name have you done this? You understand, this is an undisputed miracle. They had seen this man with their own tangible eyes, and they had seen him lame. Now they see him bubbling over with joy, walking around, running around the temple precinct. And they're like, how did you do this? And then Peter, ooh, come on out filled with the Holy Ghost of God, filled with the Holy Spirit. He said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus." There it is. Whoo. Hold on now. We'll keep that verse up there. This is the same group eight weeks earlier that crucified Jesus. You with me? Annas. Remember Caiaphas, the high priest. And there Peter is with the audacity and the bravery and the courage to say, it's the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, now watch this, whom you crucified. Woo, come on now. That was bold. That was audacious. God raised him from the dead. Sadducees, did you hear that? God raised him from the dead. By him, by his name, his authority, his power, by the name of Jesus, this guy, this man who stands Here before you, hygeus. It's where we get the English word hygiene. Whole, sound, clean, ready. Here he is. God did this through his servant Jesus. Now, Peter, he's just so bold. My, my, my. This is, and he's going to quote one, Psalm 118, 22. By the way, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Essenes and the zealots, they all knew what this passage of Scripture said. The stone which you, which was rejected by you builders, it has become the chief cornerstone. Now, here it is, verse, verse 12. Oh, my, my, my. Do y'all think this is controversial today? Can you imagine? Can you imagine how controversial, how difficult dangerous it was for Peter to say what he's about to say. But he did not let timidity or fear or trepidation or the repercussions, the ramifications, he didn't let any of that mitigate or minimize what he's about to say. And I just want to go on record to say that if Peter can do this full well knowing that it could cost his very life, surely in America we can do it. (laughs) Surely, surely in these United States of America where the worst thing so far right now is going to happen to us is somebody may say, I'm not interested in that or please leave me alone. Wow, (laughs) really? Nor is there salvation in any other for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So, today I want to just walk us through this amazing passage of scripture. I'm going to cover every verse because every verse is in the Bible for a reason. And there's some things here that Luke, you say, I thought he was a doctor. He was. He was a physician, but he was also an incredible historian. He wrote the book of Luke, he wrote the book of Acts. Some people argue very persuasively that he wrote the book of Hebrews. And if that is true, Then this good doctor, physician, historian wrote the largest, more than anybody else wrote the New Testament. And so each verse is very important, and I want to begin with this word of persecution because it's a very apt word, not only for them back then, but for us today, and especially for many of our brothers and sisters who are scattered all over this globe who name the name of Jesus. So I want you to begin with me today as we study the text with the word persecution. Peter and John, verse 1, spoke to the people. And the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them." So who were these people? The priests were the temple priests. They had just completed the evening sacrifice. The place was crowded. And then it says the captain of the temple. This would be the police chief of the temple. Are you with me? He is the guy in control. He is in charge. He is the one that is to squelch any kind of riot or any kind of tumult among the people. He is duly employed by the Sadducees. And by the way, when it says the police chief or the captain, he was second only to one person, and that was the high priest. So this is a very important person, and they are there. The priest, the police chief, and here you have uh, the, the, the others. It says the Sadducees, now, who, and, and the, who are these people? Who are the Sadducees? Who is the Sanhedrin? Well, the Sadducees were those, I said earlier, that they were an integral part of the Sanhedrin. In fact, of the four groups that comprised the Sanhedrin, if you're taking notes, just write this real quickly. You have the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the Essenes, remember the Qumran area? That's where they lived, the Essenes, and then you have the Zealots. I wonder what they thought, you know, the Zealots. The Zealots were zealous for Israel, and they wanted no Control by Rome, and so they wanted to remove Israel out of the oppressive arm of Rome. So anyhow, this is the Sanhedrin and the people who made up the majority of the Sanhedrin were Sadducees. They were the aristocracy. They were the royal blood, and the high priest came out of the Sadducees. And the Sadducees did—they believed in the first five books of the Old Testament. That was it. None of the law, none of the writings, they didn't accept that as authoritative. Now the Pharisees did, but the Sadducees did not. And therefore, being of, you know, acumen and academia, and they were so intelligent, and they were so sophisticated, they could not embrace the supernatural. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar to to us in our nation? In the nations of this world, the more educated you are, and the more academic you are, and the more PhDs you have, then the less you believe in the supernatural, the less you believe in God and angels and demons and afterlife, and they're there. There they are, sitting among the Sanhedrin. And it's good for us to keep this in mind because these are the people that are going to hotly debate and persecute uh, the apostles. Verse 2 says, the persecutors were greatly disturbed. Man, were they agitated. And they were at the point that these individuals need to stop. They, they, we need to stop them. There's no debate. A miracle has happened. We, we, and even the Sadducees are like, well, I, don't, I don't even believe in miracles. And the Pharisees are going, are you nitwit? Are you people crazy? That guy was lame and now he's healed. And and that's all the commotion. That's what all the excitement and the fervor is. So watch this. Those in control and in authority are losing control. They're losing authority. Instead of everybody looking at them and how wonderful and amazing they are, they are looking at these uneducated uh, Galileans, unschooled, untrained. They don't have a PhD. Why are people listening to them? Why aren't they listening to me? Let's stop that. That's exactly what happened to Jesus, this uneducated Galilean. I mean, he has no scholars, he has no letters, and people, everybody's listening to him, and they're not listening to us. Let's kill him. Pride, arrogance, I mean, this sense of entitlement that we deserve the applause of the people, and who are those people? So they're beginning to squeeze them, and it says in verse 3 that the police take them by force and they began to prosecute them and it's exactly what they did to Jesus but remember this there was no next day for Jesus and Luke wants us to remember this the Sanhedrin broke their own law when they falsely accused Jesus and they pulled the Sanhedrin together at night well Luke is telling us it was against their law to do that so they waited to debate with the apostles and to accuse them the next day, but they didn't give Jesus that privilege. And Luke, I don't think this... He didn't want this to be lost on us. Now that's verses 1 through 3, but I need us to look at verses 5, 6, and 7 because that also was in, was in this context of persecution. That's what we're looking at. Point one is persecution. So verse 5 says, the rulers, the elders, and the scribes. This is the Senate, the Supreme Court. The Congress, this is the president, this is everybody rolled into one. Seventy-one members, Sadducees, Pharisees, Essenes, the Zealots. And then Luke in verse 6, this is brilliant, I love this. In verse 6, Luke goes on record of putting people's names down. Now, if you're fabricating a story, and you're creating a myth and a legend, You do not use people's names because people's names can be verified or they can be disputed or outright say that is an error because Annas and Caiaphas, they didn't even live in the first century. Yes, they did. And Luke is going to such detail because he also — thank you, Jesus — he also is an apologist. He's given a defense to Theophilus. Remember in Acts 1:1: Oh, Theophilus, I'm giving you this presentation of the gospel. And he lists names, verifiable names. And we've heard these names, right? Annas, you see him at Jesus' trial in John 18:13 through 24. He ruled from 86 to eighty fifteen. Then you have Caiaphas, Matthew 36, 65. We read about him at Jesus' trial. He ruled from A.D. 18 to A.D. 35. Then you got these other people's names. We don't know who they are, but they're they're there. They're imported. Their names are John and Alexander. And then you have others, probably the family of the high priest. And this is an intense room of people. I mean, these people have the authority. They have the power to squelch you. They have the power to deliver you. And here Peter and John... And this former lame man, I got to think, come on, y'all, help me. I got to think of a better name for him. We ought to just give him a name, former lame man. That just is not good. Healed man, happy man, there's the man. He's he's standing up, and he's surrounded with a semicircle of the Sanhedrin. And they say, by what authority, name, by what dunamis power have you done this? One Bible commentator says this, not many weeks had passed since these two men, Annas and Caiaphas, had taken a part in the arrest and condemnation of Jesus. Listen, listen to this, church. I just, I just gotta ask If you're listening, say amen. I just want Okay, good. Thank you. Patrick, thank you. Not many weeks had passed, but if they had hoped that they had gotten rid of Jesus, their hope was short lived. It looked now as if they were going to have as much trouble on Jesus' account as they had had before His death. And that's so true. In verse 7, just to kind of help you with how they're looking down upon Peter and John, in verse 7, in the Greek New Testament, the word you is the last word used in that verse. And it's done so to give emphasis, like you. Y'all with me? Can you hear this tone of sarcasm? You, you uneducated Galileans, peasants, fishermen, I mean, really, you claim that you had the authority and the power to do this? And Peter's like, no, not at all. The power and the authority and the name came from Jesus. So, this is the context of the whole story and what, I, what I've deemed, first of all, as a persecution. Number two is proclamation. So, I want to look at verses 1 and 2 again, because there's something here that I just thought was so fascinating. There are three things that the apostles do, and they all have to do with a verbal witness. You're going to see this, that they spoke in verse 1, they taught in verse 2, and they preached in verse 2. Now, listen to this carefully. This This is a stinging, hard word to hear, and I get it. And some of you are going to get rustled, fired. You're you're not going to like what I'm about to say. I don't like that. I don't like that. But it's true. And you need to hear it. And I need to hear it. And I wish I was smart enough to think about it, but I I didn't come up with it. But I give credit to whom credit is due. And this is what Roy Fish said. He was my professor of evangelism at, at Southwestern Seminary. He said, if the apostles... Only lived good and godly lives, there would be no book of Acts. You're like, well, that's not controversial. I don't. don't." They spoke. Do you speak? Do you speak the name of Jesus to your colleagues? Well, no, not really, because I just let them see the godliness of my life, Brother Danny. I, I, you got to understand, when I walk into the room, there's a holy halo They just, just wafts around in the air, and, and they just see. They might think you're a good Muslim. They might think you're a good Hindu. But when you speak His name, there's no doubt that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. He said, but wait a minute, Brother Dan, You don't understand. Will it cost you your life? Well, no, not really. It might cost me my job. Guess what? God will get you another job. Speak His name. Speak His name where you live, where you work, where you go to school. Well, hold on, Brother Danny, if I do that, then I out myself, and everybody knows I'm one of those followers of Jesus. Could y'all excuse me just a minute. Woo! Glory to God! The cat's out of the bag, and now everybody knows that you're a follower of Jesus. If we don't do that. If we don't speak His name in Austin, Texas, then that is to our eternal detriment and shame. They spoke. They taught. I believe at this point they are answering questions. They are dialoguing uh, with the people. They are engaged and they're speaking to them. And and then finally they preach, karangelo is the word in verse 2. If you're you're interested, carangelo, the root word there is angelos. It's where we get the the word angel, and a good translation of it is messenger. And so they are speaking, and Luke's like, okay, in case you missed it the first time, read it again. They spoke, they taught, and they preached. What do all three of those have in common? The teeth and the tongue, they are moving. You with me? The mouth is opening up, and they're sharing about Jesus Christ, the resurrection from the dead. Okay, I'm gonna give you another controversial statement. And this one will probably make you mad too. There are more people in Austin, Texas, who want to hear about Jesus than there are Christians willing to talk about Jesus. And that's just, that's sad. Caught on preached, proclaimed. Listen, you don't, <laughs> I don't want y'all to misunderstand me. I, tomorrow morning when you go to work, I really don't want you to stand on top of your chair and say, the Bible says to you, reprobates and heathens that work with me here at Samsung or Google or Facebook or wherever, the Bible says repent, you bunch of heathens. Don't do that. I mean, that's, that's not good, okay? Don't, you don't, you don't want to do it like that. But you do want to say, hey, friend, I mean, you and I have been working together for months and years, and you know what? I don't really think I have ever told you the greatest thing that ever happened in my life. And Your colleagues are gonna go say what? Did you win a million dollars? You didn't tell me about it. Do you? What, what's going on? You say no, no, nothing like that at all. When, when I was X amount of age, I gave my life to Jesus Christ, the same Jesus that died on a cross, arose from the dead. He stepped out of heaven. He, he walked right into my heart, and I'm just telling you, he changed me. Do you? Do you know him? Do you receive him? So well, I don't know, brother. I, 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 I just don't know. Thing. I, just, I, 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 I just don't think I could ever do it. Yes, you can. And let me say this, you have to. Amen. You and I have to do this. We have to be bold. We have to share and, and speak the name above every name. And so many of you do this, and I'm so proud of you, and I appreciate you for the one. I'm still getting stories. I'm still getting emails and notes from you, Great Hills Baptist Church, saying, let me tell you about for mm, Let me just tell you something right here. We were in staff meeting on Monday, and we ran around, and almost every single person in the staff room said, here's my story, pastor. Here's my for the one story. Amen. That's the kind of people you want to hire. You know what I'm saying? People who, who speak the name of Jesus. They just don't talk about, oh, that's important. We need to witness to people, but they actually do it. There's so, so many things in my head. Hold on here. Just stay right here. Mark. He shared his name at the gym. His name was Sam, right? This brother right here on the front row who says, amen, amen, real loud, that's him. I'm out in him, all right? But he witnesses to people. We get texts all the time, well, I've shared the gospel with him. And this guy, Sam, he shared the gospel with Sam, he's a Muslim, and just preached the gospel to him right there in the gym, sharing, sharing with him. Hey, by the way, if you ever want to text me that, just go, I'll give you my number gladly. You can go on Facebook. You can befriend me. You can go to private message me anytime you want to, day or night, and say, pray for Sam. Pray for Julie. I'm sharing the gospel with them. I'm doing what Peter did. I'm doing what John did. I'm doing what the lame man did. I don't like that name. A former lame man did. Happy man did. I'm sharing the gospel with people. All right. Let me, let me keep going. Persuasion. Verses 8 through 12, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, uh-oh, that's a problem that is a problem. Oh, goodness. Now I'm going to meddling. Maybe the reason we don't tell people about Jesus is because we're not filled with the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit fills you, you can't be quiet. The Bible says, do not be drunk with wine, and Baptists say, amen, brother, preach it drunk with wine, but let me just go on and quote the rest of that verse for us Baptists. But be filled with the Spirit of God, and so filled and inebriated by the—I mean, let me just tell you something. You ever seen somebody that's drunk? You're like, uh, yeah, that's actually, yeah, I've seen that up close and personal. Okay, do you ever watch a person who's drunk? They're courageous. They're fearless. They wobble and weebles. Like they don't fall down, they, they talk, they're unashamed. They, you always, Pastor, you speak like you're from experience, one time. <laughs> one time only. So I'm in the seventh grade and the bed started spinning underneath me, I said, forget that, I'm not doing that again. It wasn't a good experience for me, but anyhow, they tell me that, well, you're courageous and you're bold and you speak and you're loud. And, and, and Paul would say, as that spirit of alcohol controls that person, you be controlled by the Holy Spirit so that you look different, you sound different, you've got courage. So Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. And by the way, what he's about to say, you've got to be filled with the Spirit because this is going to cost him his life. Okay. He is going to be taken and impaled on a cross and put upside down for what he's about to say. There is a 99.9% chance that will never happen to you in America, but it will happen to some, and it is happening to some of our brothers and sisters all over the world, but praise God for the courage of Peter when he persuasively and boldly said, rulers of the people and elders of Israel. And he's speaking. I mean, it just doesn't sound like Peter. I mean, he's got this, this... He's got this eloquence, and He's got this clarity about Him, because really it isn't even Him speaking at all. If we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means He has been made well, let it be known to you. Now He is speaking under the authority and the influence of the Holy Spirit. He's speaking truth in love. Did you catch this? Hello, rulers and leaders of Israel. He prefaces his polemical, powerful point with a word of comment, a word of compliment. Hello, rulers and people of Israel. And then he's going to go right to the heart of the matter. He's going to say, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, wow, Jesus of Nazareth. Now watch this. Y'all with me? Y'all in the semicircle? Who are the three people that are there? Peter, John. <laughs> you don't want to call him lame man, I know, former lame man. And Peter, under the authority of the Holy Spirit, says, Jesus Christ, whom you crucified. Talking about boldness. You crucified him, but God raised him from the dead. By him, by Jesus and the power of his resurrection, this guy stands here before you whole. That's why we sang about it a moment ago. That's why we sang about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This should always be on our lips. We we should never be intimidated. We should never be silenced because if we're filled with the Holy Spirit and we really believe that Jesus Christ arose from the dead, then we can do anything. We can say it. We can live it. We can preach it. We can walk victoriously in this life if we really believe what we say we believe that Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God who died for us and arose from the dead, and His Spirit now lives in me, and I'm filled with Him, and I'm going to speak His unashamedly. I'm going to let the whole world know that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Psalm 118, 22, he quotes the very messianic passage that, this, that the Pharisees especially, they knew it by heart when he said, this is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. My, my, my. I mean, Peter's not letting up. You people crucified him. You, you think you're so smart. You think you're so brilliant. But God has come and you missed him. And not only did you miss him, you killed him. You killed the son of God. But God to your eternal shame, raised him from the dead, and it's by that power that this man has been healed. Thank you very much. Let's take up an offering and let's all go home. Yeah, right. It didn't go down like like that at all. This passage, Psalm 118, 22, it's mentioned six times in our New Testament. And then verse 12, and we'll close with this. My, my, my. One of the most hated verses in the Bible One of God's finest soldiers is in the battle of his life. And he says it was at the name of Jesus. And one writer says in verse 12, Peter gives what amounts to be a direct invitation (laughs) to the Sanhedrin to repent and embrace Jesus Christ to be saved. Now, in case you're wondering or you're worried that there are no more Apostle Peters, there are no more Apostle Pauls in the world today. And people say, well, where's the God of Peter today? And where's the God of Paul today? I'm going to ask another question. Where are the Peters of God and where are the Pauls of God? And they are out there. And you don't agree with everything with everybody. But I, and I don't agree with everything and everybody on anything. But Franklin Graham did something a few years ago, and I am incredibly proud of him and what he did. Then Senator Barack Obama... Was testing the waters, whether he was going to be elected, really just, just to see could a, could a freshman senator have a chance at becoming the president of the United States. So his men would gather leaders from all sectors of life, you know, media and education and politics and religion. What's the most recognized name in religion in America? Billy Graham. Well he's unable. What about his son? They just didn't know Franklin very well. They brought him in the room. They brought him in the room. And when they left the room, one of the guys, Obama's people, was like, oh, my word. They said, what's wrong, sir? He goes, that Mr. Graham. Oh, yeah, Franklin Graham. What what about him? All he wanted to talk about was, was the senator saved? (laughs) Only one to talk about, Senator Barack Obama, if you were to die right now, would you go to heaven and spend eternity with Jesus Christ? Can you imagine how that went over? I don't think he was ever invited to another group, I mean, as long as the, the, the senator became president and so forth. But what boldness. Man, what an example for me. And I also believe it's an example for you. The last word here, I want to share this with you. F.F. Bruce says, the founders of the great world religions are not to be disparaged by followers of the Christian way. So listen carefully, because this gets really, really good. The founders of the great world religions are not to be disparaged by followers of the Christian way, but of none of them can it be said that there is no saving health in anybody else. To one alone belongs the title, the Savior of the world, Jesus. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes as you just contemplate with me for a few minutes of invitation. As we think about the early church, we think about their boldness, their audacity. There's a, there's a passage of Scripture that, that I thought about when I was preparing the sermon, and I forgot to mention it, but it's such a strong passage, and it's in the Gospel of Luke. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus said, when, you, when they bring you in before the magistrates and the authorities, do not worry what you will say, because it will be the Holy Spirit speaking on your behalf. And then we read in verse 11, and there Peter's filled with the Holy Spirit. So I just want to encourage us as Christians, as followers of Christ today. let, Let me just say this to you like this. Trust in God. Be filled with His Spirit and allow Him to speak through you, to share the good news of the gospel. What if they don't accept it? That means they're going to reject it. Share with them. Love on them the more we share and the more we talk about Christ and we live for Him and love people, I'm telling you, it's just amazing how many more people come into the kingdom of God when the people of God share and talk. I listened to a podcast just yesterday. It was absolutely startled my mind. This person has done some very thorough research based out of Harvard University and Indiana University, and the the research goes like this. There is a myth in America that the church of Jesus Christ is in decline. And this person has gone on record and factual data saying the church of Jesus Christ in America is doing really well. People are being saved. Disciples are being made. Yes, there's secularism. Yes, there's atheism. And yes, there are people who are very, very Proud and they're shouting at Christians, but let the truth be known Jesus Christ is winning. People are coming to faith in Christ, and you think it's good in America. You ought to go to South America where they are by the scores. Mm, and in China, praise God, there are more Christians than there are communists in the Communist Party. You go to Africa, and people by the droves are coming to faith in Christ. Go to the Middle East, and Muslims by the scores are coming to faith in Christ. You know why? You know why Great Hills Baptist Church is because people are speaking His name. If we would speak His name, share His name with love and with compassion and with boldness, then God will save. God will do what God is going to do. i want to pray for you. i want to pray for me. God would give us holy boldness and unction and spirit-filled life where we have that opportunity that we do not, we do not renega- rig on it. We say, Lord, use me. Father, I'm praying in the name of Jesus for me, for our staff, for our deacons, for our leaders, and for all of our people, God, that when you give us opportunities that we will be as bold as Peter and John and that man who got healed, that we would testify to the goodness of God, to the grace of God. Lord, some can't testify because they don't have anything to testify. Lord, if there's somebody here today that doesn't have a testimony, a time, a story, When Jesus Christ radically changed their life, Lord, I pray today would be that day. If you're here today within the sound of my voice, you may be listening on Facebook, you may be listening on Twitter, YouTube, you might be right here, right now, and there's never been a time when you asked Jesus Christ to save you and to change you. And listen, friend, I'm inviting you to do that right now, this very moment. Say, Jesus, forgive me. Step out of heaven, come right into my heart. I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. Some of you are here today, and I've been praying for you, and I've been talking to you, and I believe today is your day. So just say it. Say, Jesus, come in. I give you my life. God bless you. I think today is your day. Tell us. Tell somebody, let somebody know so we can disciple you, encourage you, we can baptize you, glory to God, we can, we can see you do great things for the Lord, so we encourage you. Some of you are here today, and I, I'm grateful for your presence, and, and I've even talked to some of you you are very interested in joining our church, and to that I say, thank you, praise the Lord. July 7, 1421 is our next Discover Great Hills Remember Member. If you missed that one, come next month to the August. We'd love for you to be a part of what God is doing. Listen, I, I'm, I'm so convinced that when we're in community and, and, and we're walking hand in hand and arm in arm with the body of Christ, we're so much more bold. But if we get stranded on an island and we, we think we're the only one and the devil starts talking, and listen, you know when he's talking because he's lying, lying through his nasty teeth when he says, oh, nobody believes that. Oh, nobody's interested in that. Oh, nobody wants to hear that. Just tell him. Tell him, go on back to hell. I am speaking. I am going to speak in the name of Jesus. And I don't care if all the demons of hell are rattling and mad and angry. I am, I am a man. I am a woman. I am a student that has been filled by the Spirit of God, and I'm going to speak his name. Oh, Great Hills Baptist Church, I'm praying for you that you would do that. You would have that kind of boldness. Thank you, Lord. I'm praying for this. I'm praying for my church, Lord, like, like never before that you would give us the boldness that we need to be the people of God you called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Don't you love it when pastors pray and they preach at you while they're, while they're praying? Well, it's... Um, it's okay because whenever I'm pointing my fingers at you, all ten of them, I feel the weight that I could never stand up here and talk to you like this, unless I unless I was witnessing to people, unless I was inviting people. Something aunt, something bit me on the finger. This week, when you go to the gas station, when you go to H-E-B, Costco, Walmart, what's that fancy spot over here that people go to? Trader Joe's, yeah. When you go to those places, here's something that that I've been doing with people in Austin, and I'm getting a lot of traction with it. Sometimes I don't even tell people I'm the pastor, because I don't want them thinking, you're doing that because that's what they pay you to do. No, that's what Jesus died for me to do. I'll tell people this. I'll say, hey, Sophia, God bless y'all, and Robert, love this couple from Virginia. Aunt bite people from Virginia, I tell you, my mind, I just, let me, get, let me get focused. Say, you know, at our church, at Great Hills Baptist Church, we, we're really, we really love God, we love people. Is there anything I can do for you? Can I pray for you? Can, is there any way that I can encourage you? I'm using this tactic more than I am, hey, would y'all come to my church? I mean, of course, I want them to come, and that would, all, that would be cool, but more than that, I'm saying, how can I, as a member of Great Hills, how can I pray for you? How can I encourage you? Man, I'm getting lots of good traction and mileage with that, so, all right, man. Are we all ready to sing okay well let's all stand let's all sing let's sing a song of invitation are my pastor buddies and our deacon buddies cow buddy come on let's let's pray with people as they come forward we do invite you to come god bless you and praying for you even now you come give your life to christ today come on